John 14, verse 16 and verse 17 says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So Jesus said these words to his disciples in the upper room where they were gathered to have the Last Supper. And this happened just before his arrest later that same evening. And he wanted to reassure his disciples that though he was departing to be with the Father in heaven, that they would not be abandoned, that he had made arrangements to take care of them in his absence. In fact, in verse 18, he said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. The Phillips translation says, I am not going to leave you alone in this world. Hallelujah. The Amplified Bible says, I will not leave you comfortless, bereaved, and helpless. So Jesus did not desert us and leave us stranded all alone in this wicked, wicked world. He has come to us in the person of the Holy Spirit. So you're not helpless. You say you may feel helpless, but you are not helpless. You have the help of the Holy Spirit. You may feel that you're all alone today, but you're never alone because he's with you always. Amen? Hallelujah. However, might be important to point this out. I am convinced that in these verses, Jesus is referring to more than simply the new birth, but more especially he's talking about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Because notice he said in verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, whom the world cannot receive, but the world can receive Christ. The world can receive eternal life. The world can receive uh, the gift of salvation, but only believers can be filled with the Holy Spirit, you see. So salvation is a gift for the world, but the infilling of the Holy Spirit is a gift for the church. Amen. And notice this, he said in verse 17, I'm sorry, notice this, he said, the world cannot receive the Holy Spirit because it does not see him and it does not know him. And then he said to his disciples, but you know him. They didn't say you see him because they didn't, but he said, you know him. Now, I don't know, but I think at that precise moment, the disciples probably thought to themselves, no, we don't know him. You know him. And I think they're probably thinking, no, actually, we don't know him. We don't even know what you're talking about. Because it's interesting, if you read earlier in the same chapter, because it's all one 
discourse. He's in that upper room. They've had the Lord's Supper, you know, washed their feet and that type of thing. And now he's still talking all the way through uh, the, the next couple of chapters, you see. And earlier he said in verse 4, he said, and you know the way to where I am going. He said, you know. And Thomas spoke up and said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we possibly know the way? He said out loud what everybody else in the room was thinking. Isn't that interesting? So Jesus answered in verse 6, this powerful verse said, I am the way. Hallelujah. The way to what? Well, he said, no one can come to the Father except through me. So he's saying, I'm the door. I'm the door to heaven. I'm the way to God. Hallelujah. Amen. In fact, he went on to say in verse 7, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. And as I was studying this, I see that this verse could be translated that if you recognized who I am, if you had come to learn by experience who I am, then you would understand who my father is. Amen. Because Jesus came to show us the Father. That was his whole purpose. He came to show us the Father. John, in the first chapter of his gospel, verse 18, says, No one has ever seen God. Some translations say at any time. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. And, and that's interesting because in this verse, he calls Jesus God. Because he is. The only God who is at the Father's side. Who's at the Father's side? The only God who's at the Father's side. That's Jesus. He has made him known. He has shown him to us. He has revealed him to us. Made him plain, plain to us who the Father is. And in the same conversation, Philip said, then uh, show us the Father. But Jesus said, I have something to show you that's better than a picture. It's me. Because if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus and the Father are not the same person. But they are identical in character, in nature, and in their divine attributes. Are you listening to me? So, you know... Um, Suppose you wanted to know me. Well, you could look at a picture of me, maybe even watch a short video clip of me. But what if you were to spend quality time with my own son? Well, that, that would be a, a greater insight to know exactly what I'm like because that person, you know, has lived with me, you know, his entire life. He would know me better than than anything you could glean from a, a picture. God didn't send us a picture. Okay, that's what the Father looks like. He sent us his son. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So again, he said, going back to John 14, 17, he said, uh, the world cannot receive him because it doesn't see him, doesn't know him, but you know him. Well, how do we know him? For he dwells with you and he will be in you. He dwells with you. See, basically what he's saying is this. Earlier it said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now he's saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Holy Spirit. 
He dwells with you. Well, where is he? You've seen him. You've seen him in me. You've seen the power of the Holy Spirit working through my life and my ministry. Everything I've done, I've done by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the same person as Jesus, just like the Father is not the same person as Jesus, but they are identical in their qualities and their attributes and their nature. Amen? Hallelujah. At the moment Jesus was speaking to these disciples, they were not yet born again. They weren't? No. Nobody could be born again until after the resurrection of Christ, you see. See, they were still living under the old covenant. That new covenant had not yet been ratified. It was ratified when Jesus took his own blood, not into the temple in Jerusalem, but into the heavenly holy of holies, you see. So that means at that moment, they did not have the Holy Spirit in them. But he said, you, he will be in you. When did he come in them? When they were born again. Amen. Hallelujah. So that means every Christian knows the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about every born-again Christian. He knows the Holy Spirit. You know him, for he dwells in you. You could say to every Christian, you know the Holy Spirit. Amen? So that means it should not be hard or difficult for a Christian to be full of the Holy Spirit because you know him. And it's the Holy Spirit that first led you to Christ. Jesus said, no man can come to me unless the Father draws him. How does he draw sinners? By the Holy Spirit. So the same Holy Spirit that led you to Christ, I am convinced, will also lead you into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I remember, you know, um, when I first met some Spirit-filled Christians... And I did not, I was not raised in a, in a charismatic Pentecostal church at all. That was not my background. But when I first met some Christians who were uh, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, and they began to tell me about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, my head was going like, uh, but something inside me was saying, that's right, this is right. I instinctively knew in my heart. I didn't understand all of the um, theological points or maybe like the, the, the arguments they were presenting. That didn't quite gel because I just didn't know what they were talking about. But I knew in my heart, this is right because I knew the Holy Spirit. He was in me. In fact, when I was baptized with the Holy Spirit, in a little bit I was disappointed because I realized, well, I already have the Holy Spirit. This is just more. I thought it'd be something really wildly, totally different. Well, it, it is different, but it's not totally different. It's just more of him. Hallelujah. And then I began to speak out in the heavenly language. Notice John chapter 14, verse 26. John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. The Holy Spirit came to take the place of Jesus, to carry on his ministry in the earth. That is what is meant by the words, whom the Father will send in my name. That's what that means, to take my place, to represent me, my official representative. Now, just as the disciples followed Jesus, they walked with him, they learned from him, they obeyed his words, 
and saw him work wonders. So we today need to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, to fellowship with him, to walk with him, to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, to allow him to instruct us, to respond to his promptings. And if we do that, we will see the power of God at work in our lives. Let me say that again, because I don't think you got it. The Father will send him in my name to take my place. I'm leaving. I'm sending a substitute who's just like me, another helper. Just as you have followed Jesus physically, you walk with him, you live with him, you listen to him, you learn from him. Now follow the Holy Spirit. Walk with him, listen to him, learn from him, and he'll work in you and he'll work through you and you'll see a demonstration of God's power. Are you listening to me? So you and I are now living in the age of the Holy Spirit. You cannot follow Jesus without following the Holy Spirit. And some people get tense when you mention the Holy Spirit. Oh, buddy, how can you call yourself a Christian when you're allergic to the Holy Spirit? You're greatly deceived. You cannot follow Jesus without following the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the only member of the Trinity at work in the earth today. Some people have the idea, oh yeah, the Holy Spirit, go, go stand in the corner, you know, go, go mess with those crazy people over there in that section, but just, just give me Jesus, just give me Jesus. Well, listen, without the Holy Spirit, you don't have Jesus. I said, without the Holy Spirit, and if Jesus is going to do anything in your life, he's going to do it by his Spirit. God the Father is seated on his throne in heaven. That's where he's been ever since. He's always been there. Jesus is now seated for the past 2,000 years at the Father's right hand to represent us as our high priest. But the Holy Spirit is now, here and now. Hallelujah. In the Gospels, we see God in human history, Jesus, the word manifested in the flesh. But in the Holy Spirit, we have God living in us. Amen. We're not just reading about somebody else's experience. We have our own testimony. The Holy Spirit translates the story of the cross into personal victory. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And he is our helper. The Holy Spirit is our helper. I'm so glad he didn't say, and I'll send another uh, 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 tickler. I'll send someone to scratch your head. I'll just send someone to kind of like just stand around and look at you. No, he said, I'll send another helper. A helper. Hallelujah. So that means you need help. If you didn't need help, he would not have sent it. So obviously you need help. Look at the person seated next to you, left or right, and say, you need help. Then look back at them and say, you need professional help. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. We need to rely more and more on the Holy Spirit. 
I said we need to rely more and more, and not only more and more on the Holy Spirit, less and less on ourselves. So that means you're never going to reach your potential. You'll never be all that God has destined you to be without a lot more help. And he's provided it in the Holy Spirit. I think some Christians, you know, before they came to Christ, their life was a mess. You know, everything's uh, falling apart. And then they get saved. Oh, praise God. You know, there's such joy and peace. And they start learning. And they're, you know, and they're just, every day they're just praying and seeing God work. But then they get to this place where they learn a little bit. And they suddenly kind of feel like, okay, I've got this now. I'm good. I'm good. I got it. I know when to stand up. I know when to sit down. I know when to say amen. I, I've heard Brother John's jokes before. I, you know, I know all of these verses already. So I got this. I, I got this. I know what time the service starts. I don't know what time we dismiss. I know what to wear. You know, I know all the cliches. Glory. Hallelujah. I know all of the ling- I know the lingo. So I got this. And that's when your life stagnates and deteriorates. Because as you mature, you're not less dependent on the Holy Spirit. You actually become more dependent on the Holy Spirit. You come to the place, like the old song says, I can't even walk without him holding my hand. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So when the disciples had a question, they asked Jesus, you know, why could we not cast this demon out? They asked him. You know, what, tell us the meaning of this particular parable. And he told them, see. So if there's something we don't understand, we need to ask the helper. Um, I'll tell the students again when I see them next, but before you ask me, ask God. My name isn't Google. I can't, it's a funny, I get even Bible school graduates will contact me on social media. Uh, Brother John, is Zechariah in the New Testament the same as Zechariah in the Old Testament? <laughs> okay, we're going to take your, your certificate back, you know. <laughs> Please mail it to us. I mean, you know, come on. <laughs> Before you ask every Tom, Dick, and Harry, why don't you ask the Holy Spirit? Well, I'll tell you why you don't. Because the person that you can see is more real to you than the God you cannot see. In other words, it's unbelief. So Philip asked, Philip the evangelist asked the Ethiopian eunuch. He was a eunuch because he was over the house of the queen of Ethiopia. Her name was Candace. Actually, Candace is not her name. Candace is like Pharaoh. It's a title. All of the queens were called Candace. He was a eunuch which means that uh, he could sing soprano. (laughs) I was in the country of Hungary many, many years ago, and I said something I guess somebody thought was funny, and one Hungarian girl laughed out loud, and she said, Oh, John, Brother John, you are very eunuch. I said, I think you mean unique. Unique and eunuch are two different words. (laughs) This guy was not unique. He was eunuch. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, you can ask Brother Lloyd after the session. He'll, he'll explain it to you. So, so Philip asked the Ethiopian. He was reading from the book of Isaiah. 
Do you understand what you're reading? I think we could ask that same question to many Christians. You know, I'm having my quiet time. There I am. Okay, wait a minute. Do you understand what you're reading? No. But I'm doing it anyways. Do you understand? That means you are supposed to understand the Bible. Some people think, oh, we can never understand the Bible. It's God's Word. I know it's God's Word, but it didn't accidentally fall off his bookshelf. He wrote it for us. So we're supposed to understand it. Amen? He's not up in heaven kind of giggling, thinking, they'll never figure it out. (laughs) No, he wants you to know his will. (laughs) Right? So do you understand what you're reading? The man answered in Acts 8.31, how can I unless someone guides me? So Philip jumped in the chariot with him and began to explain to him the scriptures about Christ. So how can we understand the Bible? Okay, this is Bible study. How can we understand the Bible? By ourselves alone, we can't. But we have the guide on the inside. I said we have the guide on the inside. I think that's a problem. I think you're trying to understand the Bible merely with your mental faculties. But you have the author of this book living inside your spirit right now. Are you listening to me? Amen. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, it says that the prophets of old spoke from God. In other words, they spoke words that came from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's an interesting way of translating it, but that's accurate. As they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. See, it wasn't just that the picture here was not that the Holy Spirit kind of just touched them and they began to prophesy, but it's more like they were swept away by a river of the Holy Spirit. That's an interesting picture. Hallelujah. So... The Holy Spirit knows better than anybody what the Bible means. If you wanted to understand one of the books that I wrote, we have a little more like booklets or small books on the book table. Well, you could ask me and I could tell you. What do you mean by that, you see? Well, who would know better what the Bible means than the author of the Bible? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. In John 14, 26, again, we we read it earlier. Jesus said, he will teach you all things. So if we are ignorant of God's word, including his will, his ways, it's not because the Holy Spirit has not endeavored to show us. Jesus didn't say, he will teach some of you all things. The rest of you, he'll leave you in the dust. He'll teach you a few things. If you're a super saint, he'll teach you more. He said, he will teach you all things. If we are ignorant, it's not because he hasn't tried to teach us. It could be that we are unwilling to learn. There's no better teacher than the Holy Spirit. But it could be that we need to be better students. How many of you are teachers? Anybody, one hand, anybody else? Do we have any teachers? I see several hands out there. Well, some of your students didn't get a good mark on their tests. That's not necessarily your fault, is it? No? You may be a wonderful teacher, but they also have to be good students. Well, the Holy Spirit is the best teacher. So 
So it's not his fault then, is it? If you failed the test, he's not to blame. It could be that we need to be better listeners. It could be that we need to become more teachable. Some people are not teachable. Honestly, they're just not teachable at all. You tell them this, this is what the Bible says, this is what it means, da, 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 and they go, amen, amen, amen. And two seconds later, it's like they were not even in that service. <laughs> you can tell them a hundred times, and they go like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Did you get it? Uh-huh. And they go out, and they do the opposite. If you're teachable, you're usable in God's kingdom. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So I can say this with humility and with great gratitude that every sincere question I've ever asked of God, he's answered me. I believe I can say that honestly. Every question that I've ever had that I asked the Lord about, he has been gracious to answer my question. Now, not always right away. Like not necessarily, necessarily at, that, at that moment. Sometimes it's later. Huh? And uh, it's not always the answer that I expected or that I wanted to hear. And there have been times when I asked the Lord about, what about this situation or this person? And something inside me seemed to say, that's none of your business. So, okay. That's between me and that person. You don't need to be bothered with that. See, some people are so concerned about everybody else. What about Sister Doohickey? I don't know. What about Brother Dumbfunny? What about yourself? Ooh. <laughs> Just you, you worry about yourself and let the other person worry about himself. There's a fine, there's a big difference between genuine spirit-led concern and ministry and just being a busybody. Sometimes you hear, uh, this is not in my notes, but sometimes you hear something about somebody and your first response is like, let's all rush over there. But if you were sensitive to the Holy Spirit, he might tell you, no, 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 just stay where you are. You going over there might create more embarrassment. It might inflame the situation. Maybe you just need to, you know, maybe you just need to pray, sincerely pray for that person and, and ask the Lord to give you an opportunity. So we just react in the flesh or in our own thinking. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He provides the assistance we need in this life. He makes it easier for us to do the things we must do. We have an advantage that others do not have. Tremendous advantage. Oh, you're thinking in the natural. He's got more money. Uh, she's, she's prettier than me. Uh, uh, he's got more talent. You know, he's better connected. He, he has family members and friends and relatives in high places. But you have the best advantage. You have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Amen. There's, there's nothing that can compare to that. Well, he has, he has a lot of gold. I have the one who made the gold living in me. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So, when Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream, Pharaoh answered or said to his courtiers in Genesis 41, 38, can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? That's interesting. Even a heathen king.
king recognized the spirit of God was in that man. It should be that you don't have to tell people you have the Holy Spirit. They know. Hallelujah. And and not only did he recognize the spirit of God in Joseph, he promoted Joseph to become prime minister of the country. So somebody said this, the Holy Spirit is a genius because he knows everything. And if you listen to him, he'll make you look smart, even though we know you aren't. (laughs) I said, the Holy Spirit is a genius. He's an absolute genius. And if you listen to him, he'll make you look smart. You'll come out smelling like a rose. Everyone will be so impressed. And it'll be a little secret that actually you don't know anything, but he knows everything. Amen. Amen. Actually, the people that I have met or have some acquaintance with who have been profoundly used by God are not that smart. When I talk to them, like after the service, I realize they're not that smart. But they know the one who really is smart really well. And they probably know him better than I do. You know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Who do you know? I know the Holy Spirit. How about an amen? Amen. Try a little harder. Amen. Amen. The wisdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. It's not out here somewhere. I said it's not out here. He will be in you. The wisdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. And he's in you. So in other words, if you will be led by the Holy Spirit... You will always be at the right place, at the right time, doing the right thing in the right way. If you are led by the Holy Spirit, if you follow his direction, go, stop, wait, now go, turn here. You will always be at the right place, at the right time, doing the right thing, the right way. Some Christians are always at the wrong place, the wrong time, doing the wrong thing, the wrong way. I've been there. How about you? Amen. Hallelujah. See, the Holy Spirit will not lead you into defeat. He will lead you into victory. Sometimes it looks like the way he's leading you, that's not the right way. I think I should go this way. And in fact, sometimes it looks like when you follow the leading Holy Spirit that you, at first you were wrong. And even others may, may snicker and look at that, it's not working out. But you'll see in the end, aha, that was the right thing. When Jesus went to the cross, that didn't look like the right thing to do. That, that looked like a big mistake. In fact, his closest followers said, no, this can't be. But uh, they were wrong. He was right. The Holy Spirit is always right. I said, the Holy Spirit is always right. So that means if you think one thing and the Holy Spirit is leading you in a different way, you're wrong. If you and the Holy Spirit disagree, you're wrong because he's never wrong. It's so hard for some people just to acknowledge that. It's it's just like choking on a chicken bone to admit that. No, if you disagree with God, you're wrong. Well, sometimes. No, honey, all the time. There are no exceptions. Amen. Amen. If life is a constant struggle for you, you're not being led. 
I said, if life is a constant struggle for you, there are challenges to life. I got that. And there are times when, when thing, you know, uh, we're going through a hard time in our life or there are certain pressures coming. But if life is one big, continual, sad tragedy, you're not being led. I can say that with confidence. You're not being led. That is to say you're not being led by the Holy Spirit. You're being led by something else. You may be listening to the wrong voice. Amen. When Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, when Nebuchadnezzar was troubled by a dream, he called for Daniel. And he described Daniel. It's in the book of Daniel. I think it's chapter 4. I'm not sure. But he described Daniel in this way. In whom is the spirit of the holy gods? Well, he, he was a polytheistic person at that time. He didn't understand there's only one God. But he's basically saying the spirit of God is, is in this man. And it was the Holy Spirit that showed Daniel the meaning of the puzzle, the peculiar dream. You see, a man with the spirit should be able to interpret things. I'm, not, I'm not, not necessarily talking about a particular dream, but you should be able to correctly discern what's going on in every situation. The man who has the Holy Spirit should be discerning. He should be able to see through the outer veneer and realize what's really going on in this situation. That's why some people get angry with me. They don't see what I see. If you saw what I saw, you, you would understand sometimes why I say some things. I mean, I'm, I'm wrong all the time. Don't misunderstand me. But, you know, when you see, when you, when you have discernment from the Holy Spirit, you're not so easily fooled by a lot of stuff. It's amazing to me how many people, Christians, get tangled up with the wrong crowd. They go into partnership with, with bad apples. They, they get mixed up with the wrong people. And others who, who have just some sensitivity to the Holy Spirit know right off the bat, this is a mistake. But again, just because you see it, that doesn't mean that other person sees it. That's the problem. Amen. Notice the scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit or his own spirit within him. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So there are thoughts in my mind that nobody knows about. I'm sure that's true for you too, right? Because I have not told a single soul. And by the way, there are some things, if you had some wisdom, you wouldn't just tell everybody. Some things you would, you would keep to yourself, right? Right now, I just feel like killing that person. I think it would be better you didn't say that out loud. <laughs> now, if somehow, hypothetically, if somehow my spirit was connected to you, you'd know every thought in my mind. But thank God that can't happen. If that could happen, you probably wouldn't like me. And I wouldn't like you either, by the way, think about it. God knows every single thought in your head, and he still loves you. If we knew what you were thinking, I don't know if we could still be friends. 
Well, the Holy Spirit is God's spirit. Think of it this way. In a sense, we could say he is God's heart. So he knows everything that's in the mind of God. He knows every thought in the Father, in the Father's mind. Or every thought that's in him, he knows it. And he searches even the deep things, even the deeper thoughts of God. Hallelujah. So he can reveal what God is thinking. You can know what God thinks in any situation in life. That's possible. You can know what God thinks about any situation you encounter. I said, you can know that because you have the mind of Christ, because the Holy Spirit, who knows all the thoughts of God, is living inside of you. Are listening to me? Hallelujah. If you will be, if you and I will be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit in every situation that, that arises, we can know what God thinks about it. Let me give you a rather interesting scripture. Psalm 123 and verse 2 says this. It's kind of interesting. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, or look to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. So what this verse is conveying is that servants don't need to hear or should not need to hear just a vocal command before they spring into action. An obedient and well-trained servant will respond to even the slightest gesture. Our eye, just like a servant's eyes are on the hand of his master. The idea was like, you know, you're serving in this big house and the master just indicates like, like take that and put that there. He doesn't need to tell you and he knows right away what to do. Or like, that's, you know, stop that or something like that. He just right away knows what to do. He doesn't need to be an explanation. He doesn't need some lengthy written statement. That would be an untrained servant. Just the slightest gesture, he responds. So in the same way, you don't need to hear an audible voice. And that is, that is rare and that is not typical. In every situation, you can just have a knowing on the inside of you about it. See, it's just as if he just he's gesturing like that's no good or that's good or something of that nature, you see. Hmm? Hallelujah. So many times what we have, for lack of a better way to describe this, we have a feeling in our spirit. A feeling. I don't mean an emotion and I don't mean a physical feeling like hot, cold, sick or strong, but like a, a, a sense, a feeling in your spirit that could almost be put into words. In fact, if you're really sensitive, it can kind of like become words in you. See, sometimes I hear, uh, you know, in various places or what have you, or maybe online or something, I hear someone speaking, and right away I don't feel right about it. And I don't know 
why. And I'm asking myself, why do I not like this? Because something inside me is going, it's not right. But the opposite is true also. I've heard, you know, uh, maybe, for example, someone speaking or, or whatever, preaching the word of God, and I didn't particularly like his style or, you know, he, he wasn't someone in the natural that appealed to me as much, much older than me or that type of thing or whatever. Or I could tell he was from particular maybe church background that wasn't really the same as my own. But something inside me was telling me that hand, my eyes are on his hand, like, hey, that, you listen to this. I've, I've even been speaking with people years ago, many years ago. You know, we were talking about different things concerning mostly the political situation in Nagaland. And that was a hot, I guess it's always going to be a hot topic, but it was especially a hot topic. And, and this person was, um, you know, he's a Christian. He, he's working in a, in a Baptist Bible seminary. And so we were just talking, blah, 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 blah. And he made one particular statement. I'm not going to go into all the details. That's not really necessary. But he made one little statement. And when he, when he said that, something inside me just like, like a buzzer went off. And told me, listen to that. Basically, he was telling me, you don't need to get involved in this. He's talking about the Naga political situation. He said, he was talking on and on. He was quite, whatever, patriotic, passionate, whatever you want to say it. But suddenly he stopped and said, but I don't think you should be involved in this. And when he said that, like a buzzer went off in me, like, and something said, listen to him. That's exactly right. So that's why I don't get involved. So I already knew, don't get involved in this. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, the Bible says, But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I think we could paraphrase this verse this way. You have the Spirit of God living in you. And whatever you need to whatever you know now, it's because He showed it to you. And whatever you need to know, He'll show that to you as well. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The problem is many Christians who, of course, you know, are not here. They would be seated maybe in this section tonight. I don't know. But many Christians only follow their human logic. You see? Or we say we're following the scriptures when in reality we're following what we think the Bible says, but not necessarily what it really says. See, because there's a tendency to try to interpret the Bible the way you want it to be read. See? There's, there's a tendency to gravitate towards certain scriptures which you think agree with what your intentions are anyways. Right? So like if you're angry at your neighbor, you start reading about you know, Joshua killing you know, all of the Canaanites, and you're just sure that your neighbor is the Canaanite. You're going to march around his boundary wall, and the seventh time, those walls are going to come down, or you know, something like that. You know? So you, you tend to interpret the Bible the way you want it to read. But see, that's, that's often how people miss God. So a better pro approach might be this. Let the Holy Spirit lead you to the right portion of Scripture concerning your situation. See, Jesus said in John 14, 26, again, he'll teach you all things. And then he said this, he will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He will bring, the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. 
I mean, maybe on the one hand, Jesus is simply saying, you know, all that I've talked about, everything that I've preached and taught, you'll have, you know, instant recall. You disciples, you'll be able to remember it. Maybe that's what he means. But I don't think so. I think what he means is at any particular situation, he'll remind you of the word of God that's apropos and applicable to your circumstance. See, when Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, three times it's recorded, he said, it is written. It is written. But he didn't just quote any scripture. See, the devil, when the devil said, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become bread. He didn't say, it is written. My God shall supply all my needs. Well, he, he chose, he was led to quote just the right scripture for that situation. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So he'll lead you to just the right scripture, the right, right verse, the right portion of scripture that fits your situation. We're almost done. Let's look at maybe a couple of scriptures. Mark chapter 13, verse 11. Mark chapter 13, verse 11. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your helper, and he will give you the right words to say at the right moment. Hallelujah. He will speak not only to us, he will speak through us. Hallelujah. Now, does this scripture mean that pastors should not study? They should not prepare a sermon. They should just say, it will be given to me in that hour, what I should say. I'll just, I'll just open my mouth and, you know, words will come out. Well, usually the only thing that comes out is just hot air. I'm just going to speak off the top of my head. Well, the only thing coming off the top of your head is dandruff. See, Jesus is talking about Speaking to the authorities in your defense when you have been apprehended for preaching the gospel, you see. So he's not, he's not saying we don't study or we don't prepare. But on the other hand, on the other hand, I think sometimes when we are uh, 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 tasked with speaking to people, God's word, there's a tendency just to maybe pull out a lesson that we have or, or one, pull out some notes that we've saved from a previous time or something like that. But we maybe we haven't really waited on God to make sure this is the word of the Lord for these people in this place. I'll say this, that I very rarely just pull out a sermon like from some notes that I had, you know, stored somewhere. Very rarely. I mean, sometimes if I'm having lots of meetings and I just don't have time and I get tired, I kind of have to do that. But even last Sunday, I'll, I'll uh, you know, during the week, it, it was a little difficult time, but... Um, I was studying on Saturday and just didn't seem to be happening and I kind of was getting like going nowhere, didn't see any daylight. And so I just pulled out some notes from a previous message and I sent them to the office and said, okay, here, here's the notes, you know, for the screen, you know, the LED screen. But then that night I couldn't sleep. I mean, I couldn't sleep properly. I was restless. So I got up at three o'clock in the morning and it just, it just, it just flowed. And so then earlier, early in the morning, I said to the, to the office, no, 
I'm sorry, but I'm changing the message. Here it is. And that's the message that you all heard last Sunday, you know. Hallelujah. So, and, and here we are praying about our team in infall, and I'm so glad that they got to hear that. Maybe that was for them. I don't know. Or, or you know, maybe it was for others as well. Praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit is our helper. And I'm sure he would like to help us more be, than we are willing to be helped. I think sometimes we inadvertently push him away. Like, help me now. Okay, now don't help me. Like when I'm in trouble, okay, now help me. Okay, now I got this. Please don't interfere. But the Holy Spirit doesn't have an on-off switch. And you can't kind of push him away and then expect to, to know his leading and direction in the hard time. That may not happen. So it's important. It's important that you receive. If he's offering help, you should receive it. We, we should look to him. Uh, we should rely more and more on the Spirit. And if we did, life would be better. We'd be more effective in our service to God and less stressed out. Right? When you have so many wrinkles in your forehead that a farmer can plant seeds in those furrows, <laughs> then you're not relying on the Holy Spirit. It shouldn't be that after three years of ministry, you have a nervous breakdown. It's, it should be that you have joy, and that you have peace, hallelujah. Yeah. And, and you, listen, you're not going to have joy and peace just because you have a perfect world, that you work with perfect people. Listen, God's not going to send you to work with perfect people. If they're perfect, what do they need your imperfect self for? He's going to send you to people that are not always easy to get along with. I guess that would be me. I don't know. You know, in situations where you're not always appreciated. You, you don't have to have a perfect situation to have perfect peace. If you will rely more and more on him and less and less lean not on your own understanding, you'll have less stress. You don't have to, be, you don't have to try to be a smart. You just have to be more obedient. Amen. Everybody will be blessed. Praise the Lord. Amen. The Holy Spirit is the leader. He's not the backseat passenger. He's your co-pilot. He's your navigator. He's your radio man. He will keep you from getting off course. He'll prepare you for what's coming your way. Brother Hagin said, it was in the 1950s. I think it was 1957, but I, I'm not certain. He said, as the sun was coming up, he bolted out of bed, just rose up straight up in bed. And he said, I heard a voice say to me, a recession is coming. An economic downturn is coming. Not a depression, but a recession. Get ready for it. And the Lord told him certain things to do for his life and ministry. You need to make these changes, make this changes, make that change. But Brother Hagin said, to make a long story short, I didn't do those things. And then the recession came, just like the Lord said. You know, when, there, when, when you have the seven years of plenty, it's easy to be kind of careless with the grain. But when the lean seven years come, then you wish you had been more, more wise, right? So he, so he said, I suffered economically. I went down, 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 down. And finally, the Lord spoke to him and said, if you had listened to me, you could have avoided all this trouble. I told you to make these changes. Amen. God's merciful. 
But it's a whole lot better not to need mercy. It's a whole lot better to operate on his good grace because you're walking in the light that he provides for you. Hallelujah. To be a successful Christian, we must look to the guide on the inside. We must be constantly aware of his presence within. We must rely on him who indwells us. Spiritual things are often learned by experience. You can read a book on driving a car, but you will not be a skillful driver until you get behind the wheel and you have some experience. How do you know when to shift gears in a four-wheel vehicle? Well, there's a certain feeling, isn't there, that you know you're in the wrong gear or the engine's revving too hot and I need to change over to a higher gear. You just know it from experience, you see. There's some things you just learn from experience. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So learning to be led by the Spirit is a skill. It's not just knowledge, it's also experience. It improves with practice. These folks that play musical instruments, they practice. They go over some of the same things over and over again, right? They don't just, uh, they don't just have mental knowledge of it. They have actual practical experience. You have to have practical experience. Hallelujah. And so you can learn from your mistakes. Maybe that's a good thing to thank God for because many of us, we can look back on a time, something told me not to do that. Something told me not to go there. Something told me not to say that. And now I sure regret it. Oh, boy, was that a big mistake. Well, well the good thing is you've learned now. Maybe you, you learn more from your mistakes than, than you do f- for, for the right things you've done, right? Hallelujah. But then you can also learn from your successes. So many, many years ago, uh, I told you I was baptized with the Holy Spirit. I was just very... Uh, new to these things, and, uh, but I wanted to be led by the Spirit. And I was traveling with some friends to a wedding in another state in America, and we came to a large bridge. Uh, it's a bridge combination tunnel. It's several miles long over a big body of water, and there was a traffic jam. The vehicles were backed up for miles, bumper to bumper. In fact, they had turned their motors off and some people were walking around and talking to one another. Even like some of them, there was a grassy area in between the highway. And they were like, you know, throwing a ball or like having a picnic. Or they were not going anywhere. We were stuck there for like uh, more than an hour, I think. And so we're going to a wedding. And we don't want to be late. And so the fellow who's driving said, well, we could turn around, cut through the grass, and turn and go back the other way and, and take another, another route. But... That will put us behind, definitely for sure, by an hour and a half. We'll be an, it'll definitely take an hour and a half longer. But we're just sitting here going nowhere. It's already been more than an hour. Who knows how long we'll be here? So we all, everybody agreed, yeah, yeah, let's, let's do that. Let's just do that. And for some reason, they asked me, and I said, I don't feel right about that. Let's just wait a little bit longer. Just wait a, just wait a few more minutes. And for some strange reason, they said, okay. It was like three or four minutes later, and suddenly the traffic broke, and we began moving. And so that was just a small little incident, but I realized that was the Holy Spirit telling me just that was it. I didn't feel right about it. Just wait a little bit longer. So you can learn. 
You can learn, and so you'll you'll be on time for the wedding. Hallelujah! You'll be you'll 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 make your connections. Things will work out better. Let's all stand up to our feet.